0: The blood the blood which made my price behind. The, the following audio is from our first annual women's retreat for Cross Connection Church Houston. We hope it blesses you, and if you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website, it's connected to Jesus.org. Thanks and God bless. Um let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are, Lord and you're always in the business of stretching and growing us, and, you know, here I am standing before these ladies saying, God is faithful, and, you know, whatever he asks you to do, just say yes and go and do it, and here I am like, (laughs) but I trust you, Lord, and so, um, here I am as such as I am, and have your way, Lord, and, um, In some areas, my testimony is not a a happy ending, maybe yet. So, Lord, I pray that it will bless somebody for your glory. Um, Savior, loving, forgiving, merciful, and compassionate. Um, In Matthew 121, talking about, um, she mentions his seed, her seed, and Matthew one twenty one says, And she will bring forth a son, and you should call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And in John 3.16, I'm going to be okay in a minute. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And I thought it was really apropos because Redeemer is the next word. He, one of the names of, of God is Redeemer. And I happen to be in the Redeemer group, the best group there is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, been, it's been really sweet. Um, I was telling your pastor's wife, Jenny, that um, it's nice to be in a group of ladies who really know the word, and they pray like they really believe God, and so it's, that's been refreshing. And, and, you know, for those who don't come to church, you know, because they, I'm, I'm just too much of a hypocrite or, um, I don't deserve to come to church or whatever. Tell them your story and say, there's a bunch of sinners. My best friend used to come to church stoned or drunk for years. And, uh, she was just kind of seeing, will God still love me? Will God still love me? And sure enough, he did, and she finally got her life together because what people really need to know is that they are loved. If people know that they're loved, maybe I'm speaking to even somebody for your husband who may not be the nicest of guys, they don't know they're loved. And so it can be your job to let them know how much they're loved. <laughs> so anyway, Redeemer, the best group. Okay. Of course, your group is the best group too. <laughs> In Luke 18, and I'm going to talk a little bit about blind Bartimaeus because he represents all of us um, before we get saved. Starting in verse 31 of Luke 18, it says, Are you there? Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted, and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. This is a definition of our Savior. But it goes on to say, but they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. N- another name for our Lord is precious sacrifice and the lamb. And, um, oh, is it Audra? Yeah, Audra. Candelaria, uh, when she was speaking, when she was 14, that she had given her life to the Lord or at least had come forward and said, you know, I, I want to be saved from hell. Um, but she didn't understand the the whole thing about the gospel and that Jesus had to die, but why did he have to die? For her sins, just hers, you know, no, for all of our sins. Um, but you you didn't understand any of those things. And um, same for me. You know, our family would go to church. Well, not our whole family. I, I don't think I've ever seen my dad go to church. But um, my mom and my brother and I would go to church on Christmas and Easter because we got new clothes. And, and Marlene, I had black patent leather shoes for Christmas and white patent leather shoes for Easter. With those socks, the white socks that roll down with the lace right there? Oh, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. And the yellow the yellow dress with the polka dots at Easter? Oh, girl, yeah. And, and white gloves and that little hat? You know that little hat with the thing right here? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then as I got older, you know, you had the, the stretch things that had the bell bottoms on there? Because we used to start wearing pants to church. But the reason we would go to church is it was like a fashion show. And it was the thing to do at Christmas and Easter. Well, summer vacation uh, Bible school, because both of my pa- our parents worked, have a younger brother. And uh, <clears throat> vacation Bible school would come around every year. And since they both worked, and we had uh, Marguerite, who was our babysitter. She was more like our mom than our mom. Um, she would, uh, a Nazarene bus would come and pick us up every every year, that one week and Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me. So that's my jam to today. And um <laughs> little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. You know, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me. So what's the Bible? <laughs> you know, because we would have these little pieces of paper with scripture on them, but we didn't really open a Bible. I didn't even know talking about not understanding the things of God, I didn't understand that. So anyway, so I hear that song, and it has been what has, um, I'll take it, it's not on tape. See, at, at our church, they live stream everything. So even if my snot run down, you know what <laughs> yeah you get, all, you get all that. Thank you so much. Um, but um, I heard that Jesus loves me, and it just kind of resonated in my heart. Now, fast forward a lot of years. I'm like eight when I'm hearing these songs. I didn't get saved till I was 28. So, Audra, you are head and tails of Beyond Me, girl. I have very good-looking parents. And um, my father always wanted kids. He came from a family of 11, so he always wanted kids. My mom, on the other hand, never did. But I have a brother before me who is in heaven because my father asked my mother to stop driving when she was very pregnant, and she don't tell me what to do, and she got in a car accident, and he died in her stomach. And so I never met him, but his name is Alan. I'll see him in heaven. My dad dies before my 12th birthday. How dare he is with the words my mother used, and left me with these blankety-blank children that I never wanted in the first place. And... um, My mom is bipolar, so, uh, you know, I've been working for a lot of years, and I'm kind of getting it where I've gone from totally hating her because she seemed to despise me my whole life. You know, um, if anybody, like my brother would get all the preferential treatment. If we both needed to go to the dentist, he'd get to go to the dentist. You know, those kind of things. And, you know, I I wasn't pretty enough, smart enough tall enough, thin enough, whatever, guy enough, I don't know. Um, but she was always kind of maybe, I think, jealous of me because I was kind of a daddy's girl for a minute, um, and then he died. And he was our caregiver. You know, we fell or skinned our knee or whatever. And I'd use this to the day, peroxide, you know. All the kids knew if they fall in the, in the street, go to my house because my dad's going to put peroxide on and he's going to put a Band-Aid on and he's going to say, okay, you know. (laughs) My mom, tough luck for you. And it was just like that as we we grew up. Um, And she was like that and is still like that to this day unless, of course, she needs something. Um, And I think I developed um, trying to please people, you know, always trying to please my mom make her like me just like me i didn't care if she loved me but just like me um and that's not happened to this day and so i became this rule follower i'm going to follow all the rules cuz if i follow all the rules then i'm going to be accepted and um uh, that didn't work either so in my senior year of high school my mom sells the house um All my stuff is all packed, and we're supposed to be moving to a new location. The stuff is all packed. And she leaves, says, see ya, with me in the driveway. It's been tough. And you think, what in the world? So I knew Ron in my senior year. Ron and I moved in together. And you know, you know that's wrong. You're not supposed to be living. I'm not. neither one of us is saved. But you know it's not the right thing to do. It's not, I didn't know where else to go. And so we move in together because I had tried living with a cousin and she had way too many strange men coming in and out of her house when she was at work and I was there. So it's like, that's not working out, you know, cause you're like, stop looking at me. Stop looking. <laughs> you kind of move from room to room in the house and hope that door will lock behind you. So strange things happening. So Ron and I are living together. I'm pregnant now. And then we get married in that order. Hard life. He thought I was, where's my And I am to this day. He thought I was hot then, you know, but for maybe a little different reasons, you know, and, and until you know how guys are, until they get what they want, and then it's like, well, I'm going to marry you, but it's only because you're pregnant. <laughs> you know, not, that's not the way you're supposed to start out. So anyway, he, he, we, we do have a lot of fun to this day, but back then it got really weird because he found car sales, and he found that car selling suited him, and we became exceptionally wealthy. We had so much money, I could hide thousands and thousands of dollars, and he did not miss it. So that's what I did because I was pigeonholing money for, you know, what if those times when he would become very angry and say, one of these days I'm going to divorce you. You, We're going to wait till these boys grow up and get out of high school, and then we're going to go our separate ways. Can you imagine living like that for like four years? It was horrible. <laughs> um, but between him being in the car dealership and threatening to divorce me, Jesus came because I kept hearing Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. <laughs> And, you know, after you are convinced that you don't matter and then your husband who's supposed to love you starts saying or acting the same way, he would work 105 hours a week, average. That means it's dark when he left and it's darker when he came home. And when he did come home early, say, this is a channel changer, and that's the TV. Hi, how you doing, honey? That's me talking to him. He would sit down and he would just do like that and until it was so loud, he made it a real good point that he didn't want to have anything to do with me. So I would just go to my room. But I got saved. And you know what happened? I fell so in love with Jesus. I fell so in love with Jesus. And he kept telling me how much he loved me over and over and over again. He saved me from going crazy. He saved me from thinking, I might as well kill myself and end this. He saved me from that. And he gave me uh, meaning and purpose. And um I, I, I'm really very, very thankful to him. And so as I get saved... You know, and I'm I'm loving Jesus, and he's loving me, and, you know, this thing, I'm arm in arm with him, and I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And then, you know, you have that husband who says, you know, you make me sick with that Jesus stuff. Well, I'm so sorry. This is my pastor I'm talking about today. Pastor Ron. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, people will hear our testimony, and they're like, no, well, I was like, yes way. He was a jerk, all capitals. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. But God saved me, and those ugly, hurtful words and the cold shoulder and the abandonment. Um, I mean, one time my husband worked for a guy who was such a jerk that he invited everybody else out on his yacht for this fantastic party with shrimp this big. But because I'm black, I didn't fit in. My husband still went. I was like, what in tarnation? That's okay. I'm going to be over here with Jesus. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. You know, yeah. I'm going to be all right, right? <laughs> why did he do that? That's so mean. And so uh, the Lord was giving me an opportunity. You see why I wanted to kill him? You see you see why I wanted to kill him, right? Okay. <laughs> And so what, what he was trying to do, this, this Ron, my now pastor, husband, friend, and lover, um, was trying to break me and have me be so distraught that he wouldn't see the power of Jesus. So what happened is Jesus and I, we, we just got this super sweet love affair going. So much so that I said, when Ron would say anything to me, I would say, well, that's okay. I would say this to the day. Whenever I'm having a little tiff or whenever, you know, he's watching a little bit too much football, especially football season, I said, he said, where are you going? To spend time with my first husband. Thank you very much. <laughs> 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 my first husband is my savior. He's going to save me from my flesh. And there's sometimes when, you know, you say some things under your breath that you shouldn't say, even though you're thinking them and your flesh does that and you're like, I don't want to be like that, Lord. But I say something under my breath, and he'll say, what'd you say? I'll say, you don't need to know. It was inappropriate. And my Savior says, I let that not be heard, Paula. But you need to go over here and repent. You don't have to repent to Ron, because he didn't really hear it. But you got to repent to me, because I had a little attitude. And we still do to this day. I love my husband. He's awesome. But I hated him back in the day, just like I hated my mom. Same exact hatred. And the Lord, my Savior, said, I want to relieve you of that. I want to relieve you. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. And so, and then the Romans 5, 5, love of God shed, is shed abroad in my heart. And the Lord was saying, you know what? He's acting like this. Why don't you pray about it and ask me how you can help him to know how much he's loved? Again, I said, can you ask somebody else? <laughs> you can be totally honest with the Lord. Like I'm saying, he like you said, he knows everything anyway. He said, "Well, I could, but I would really like to use you." So, Ron would work these 105-hour weeks, call me all kind of names, and then he want to go in the bedroom, and you know what I'm talking about? He still want to have sex with me. I'm like, "What a jerk. What a jerk this is." And my Savior and I would have this really long conversation while I'm on my back and I'm crying, and tear it's dark, and I don't I'm not a <laughs> kind of cry. <crying. laughs> and so I'm crying and the tears are running down and it fills up my ears. I don't know if you guys have ever had that. Filling up my ears and dripping down, and the pillow is getting wet. This guy on me, he don't even notice. Not a thing. He's like, hey, and I'm, me and the Lord are having this conversation. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I feel like a prostitute making love to the devil. And I'm like this. Cause, you know, the bed is like this. <laughs> Jesus is up here somewhere. Cause he can't be right here. Cause if he was right. If he was right here in my mind, he would say, boy, you need to go step off. You know, but no. So I feel like a prostitute making love to the devil. Can you get this over with? And the Lord's like, Will you just remember that scripture? I was like, oh, we're going to talk about scripture now? <laughs> so my Savior says, my Savior says, yeah, remember that one where it says, you are not your own, you are bought at a price What do you say to that? I mean, I'm trying to argue with God. You know, the pillow's all wet and everything, and I'm like, yes, I remember, and I remember, I promise, you know, all of me is yours. He said, I remember that, too. I was like, well, my heart's not in it. That's what I heard him say. Don't need your heart right now, just your body. (laughs) That's the Savior. We, We, you know. He gives you opportunities to prove yourself faithful. He says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Now, in the moment, (laughs) I'm like, well, yeah, I do remember that vaguely, but I remember now that you brought it up, and it's like, okay, God. He says, I can make your heart catch up to your mind. If your mind will be resolved to be obedient, I can help your heart to catch up. That's the Savior we we serve. Just imagine what I would have missed had I said, I am not going to do it. I absolutely refuse. You know, the Lord wants to save us not only from hell, but he wants to save us from ourselves, and he wants to save us from the penalty of disobedience. And he goes out of his way to help us. He didn't have to tell me anything. I cried out. I was just crying, but I cried out. Lord, help me. And he was right there. You know that scripture that says your grace is sufficient? His grace is really sufficient. Because the Lord, as I started praying, he says, I want you to pray for Ron." I was like, well. And somebody, we were in our group. Somebody was like, yeah, I'm going to pray for him, all right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to pray for him. (laughs) You know, I remember one time the Lord said, and we saw, you know, those brushes that you clean the barbecue with? We saw one today at, what, Ross or Marshall? I said, there's my brush right there. Cause one time the Lord, Ron was being a jerk, and the Lord said, Um, Paula. I was like, Yes. Because <laughs> you sometimes when he says something, you know he's gonna ask you something you don't really want to do. And so I said, Yes. He says, I want you to wash Ron's feet. <laughs> huh. Huh. That's the savior I serve because he knows what I need. He's trust, He's trusting these things with me to see if I'm going to, you know, obey him because I say I love him. And he always brings up, that's great, if you love me, you'll obey me. Okay, so, okay. All right, I'm going to get some water and I'm going to get some nice little foo-foo stuff in there. I know he's going to say, what? what you doing? Why are you trying to, I don't let my feet washed. I know he's going to say all that, Lord. So I'm going to go out to the garage and I'm going to get that brush. <laughs> because I'm going to wash his feet one time. (laughs) He's going to bleed out in this water. And I'm going to say, Lord, you told me to wash his feet. (laughs) Blame it all on him. So on my way out to the garage to get that brush, the Lord said, that's not me. I know. You know. So I got the nice little... Sponge thing and a nice towel. And I got down on my knees with the thing, you know, the bucket with the nice warm water in it. And I, I said, I'm, I want to, I'm going to wash your feet. What? Why are you going to wash my feet? I said, I did not tell you who was going to say that. I told you he was going to say that. I don't want you wash my feet. The Lord he's like, the Lord. I said, the Lord told me I need to wash your feet. So would you please just, you know, comply? And I washed his feet. Didn't change him one bit that I could tell, but it sure made me feel like I'm obeying the Lord in a hard thing because I sure did not want to wash his feet. <sighs> come to find out many years later that that really was an impact on him. That was an impact on him. And come to find out, because I used to write all in my journals, because Ron didn't let me go to church, and... Um, <clears throat> And our boys had gotten to an age where they said, Dad, do we have to go to church with Mom? And he said, talking to them, looking right at me and said, no, you don't. And if she tries to cram that garbage down your throat, you just let me know. So I started going to church, just me and my Savior. After a while, I was skipping because I was the only one going. There was no distractions. It was just me and Jesus. Jesus. It was amazing, amazing. And then one day, because I was praying, Lord, Ron's made money, his God. And the Lord said, yeah, I know, baby. And I had been praying for my husband. My heart had changed. I loved him, but I could see he was going down, and he was going down fast and hard, you know. We used to have the glazed Italian tile, you know, uh, we built our own home. Um, we had people coming in at least once a week to do all my cleaning. You know, take down the California shutters. You had to. You couldn't just mop that floor. No, it was Windex, and and it was in the whole living room, down all the hallways. The carpeting was white as these doors. And I had two boys, but my carpet was always clean because somebody else was doing it. No, we had a lot of money. And all of a sudden, the Lord says, Paul, you have to tell him that he's made money his God and I will not have another God before me. And when I told my husband that, (laughs) I walked down the hallway and I said, Lord, please don't let him throw anything at my head because he was really mad because I was telling him who thought he was in control that he wasn't really in control that God was calling the shots and something's getting ready to happen. In a year and a half time, we went from the big fancy house on the hill to being homeless and living in a garage, a half of a garage, with fleas and ticks and roaches and two mastiff hounds on the outside at a neighbor, a friend's house that I happened to work with at Bank of America. Big shot to nothing. Nothing. In a matter of a year and a half, that's my savior. In that garage is where Ron, right before, is where Ron got saved. The best thing that ever happened to us. You know what else I found out? That scripture that says, "I I have learned the secret of being content in much and in nothing." I still loved Jesus. It was one of those things where my savior had come along and he had not only saved me, he'd saved my husband, he saved our marriage, our kids. Our house was always the house that all their friends would come over. Our house was so big that we had a ping pong table in the in the living room. We had plenty of food. Everybody would let their kids come over because they knew that I was going to, one, make them do their homework, I was going to feed them. They would know where their kids were because I would always let make them call their home. <laughs> And um, when we were homeless and living with those other people in that half a garage, those kids would still come over. And the room was, well, you know, a garage, not a two-car garage, a one-car garage. Um, so there was only enough room for a, a double bed. And this they had this, like, wood thing that we put our clothes in. That was it. They would sit on our bed. No chairs. The kids would still come and sit on our bed. Only God. Only God. And today, you know, that was the best time because Ron and I really became a couple in that garage. And God just knitted our hearts together, and now anything that comes our way, we're so grateful. So if you're on that verge of, you know, not trusting the Lord that he's got a plan, it doesn't normally work out the way you think, It will, but I'm living a pretty large life as far as my husband goes. Now, my mom, on the other hand, she was living in California, and for some unbeknown reason, my brother, who lived in Georgia at the time, thought that it would be a good idea to move my mom to where I live, so maybe if she's around real Christians, she'll change. (laughs) I'm like... And I used to have a real issue with this. I was like, don't they have real Christians where you live? <laughs> Why well, you gotta put her in my neighborhood, you know? And so, well, that's okay. So we gave her opportunity and I, I I mean, I still trying to make my mom, you know, accept me or Mom, aren't you proud of me now? I'm a pastor's wife and you know, kind of stuff. And she was. Because she was using some of the people in the church, you know, don't you know my sons are the pastor and my daughters a It's not good. And so I've had to, you know, she's no longer part of my life. She had, there's a restraining order that keeps her even out of our parking lot. Some people want to be, and some people just don't. And so you got to be okay with that, and I'm okay with that. And now I understand um, more than ever that, um, I mean, I don't hate her at all. They don't. She doesn't know my kids, their wives, my our five grandchildren. Now I'm just sad for her because she's missing out on so much. Our church is amazing. Maybe not as amazing as yours, but you know we have a few more people, so you know, in that way, we can relatively say we try to measure up to y'all. Because um, this is, you guys are really pretty awesome. Lashelle and I have already fallen in love with you. It's like we've known you for a long time. You know, I think that's how it's supposed to be with Christians. You just, it's just a natural thing. And our Savior who owns us all, He's put us all together. And that first attribute tonight was He's loving. Um, so I don't know how long I've talked. What, what do I have left? Okay. Um, so anyway, that's kind of my testimony. And you know what? I am living a great life. My, uh, my chapter, For my life is Isaiah 54, and I'll just, the first, the first verse says, Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst in a song, shout for joy, you who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. That's me. I have so many kids and grandkids who are not really my biological, but (laughs) I have some people in the church that they're kicking their own kids out because if Pastor Ron and I get so you know, all oh, that we can't take care of ourselves. We already have rooms to stay. Mm-hmm. So my Savior takes care of me. He'll take care of you as well. But what I've told them is, no, your best bet is if Ron dies and it's just me, let me stay in my house. You guys get a schedule, you know, because I'm going to probably get, like, ugly, I don't know, cranky or crotchety or something so the best thing is for you to leave me at my house you take rotation maybe from saturday to saturday and then on thursday when you are sick and tired of me you call the next person and say don't even be late (laughs) (laughs) don't even be late you need to you know get yourself ready to be over here like maybe late friday early saturday i don't know but don't be late so i think they i think they're thinking "Ooh, that's a good idea yeah, because what they could do, they could strap me down. You know what I'm saying? Put some food there and strap me down so I won't hurt myself. And they can leave. I already got. I'm helping. I'm helping them out. And then they can come. You know, and she, I'll still be there. I might be a little messy, but <laughs> I'll still be alive and you know not wandering in the street or something somewhere. So I'm trying to help them out. But my my savior, your savior. He's okay, and i you know I used to just be so angry at my mom, but now I pray for her pretty much daily. My brother on the hand, other hand is not a Christian, and so um but he pays for her to still live there. I'm okay with that it was uh maybe last year I was on the tread the stair master at at our gym and one of the other pastor's wives she was just talking to me just so innocently and stuff you know and, I was telling that story about, you know, my mom. Somebody asked me about my mom, and I said, no, I haven't seen her in a long time, and the last time I saw her was at the grocery store, and when she saw me, I said, hi, Mommy, she said, ooh, mm. you know, and went on her own way. And so I was telling that story, and I said, yeah, and why did my brother send her over here? And the Lord said, you still have bitterness. You still have bitterness That's, that's that you need to deal with. I'm sorry, Lord. And he's such a gentleman. He's such a sweet savior. He waited, how many years has this been? You know? Fifteen, sixteen, nineteen? That I've been carrying that? And um he said, I want you to give that to me because it's it's hindering our our closeness. I was like, Okay, okay. So I gave it to him. Wouldn't you know? Two weeks later, my brother comes and he's the athletic director for Arizona State University and we have a free school and so he's going to be talking to the high school junior high and high schoolers at an assembly at our school my brother starts talking like I'm talking and he starts weeping of how proud of me he is and how um valiant of a life that I've made now, this whole time, you know, I'm, like, super upset because the attention always went to him, you know, that, I just, just give me a little crumb, you know, all the attention always went to him, and yet, he's now looking at me saying, man, what an honorable life you have, this is what I want to do, that's why he's in athletics with college, he used to be with um, um, the NFL for the longest time, but he got sick of the spoiled football players, you know, those that get in trouble, then they find Jesus, and then away they go, you know. He says, I'm sick of that. I want to influence kids before they get to that level. And he says, Paula, that's what you're doing. Look at all these kids, you know. And um, my Savior said, see, I got a plan for you. I got a great plan for you. So if you think it's hard, sometimes it is. But he's got a plan. And I'm praying for my mom, and I'm... um." Sheila has her mom living with her right now, and she had—they had a really rough relationship too. So she's kind of one of my heroes. No offense, but I've been praying that the Lord would never. <laughs> you know, I drive, my husband doesn't. That's a trail enough, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but ooh. so, but God is good, and if He ever asks me to do that, He will give me the grace. He will give me the grace, and I'll have to go in my room daily and say, Lord. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. And he'll say, you're not your own. You're bought at a price. of we just go around that circle again and again and again. So, um, okay, so want me to shut up now? Oh, man. Okay, let's see. Let's go to blind Bartimaeus because, you know, all of us are really, we're all blind beggars until we get saved too. So verse 35 of... Chapter 18 says, then it happened, and this is not a coincidence, rather it's a divine appointment, as Jesus was coming near Jericho. And you got to remember, he's on his way to the cross, on his way to give his life um, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. So put yourself in the crowd. Maybe even imagine you're blind Bartimaeus. uh, Again, because before we received Jesus, we're all blind beggars. We might be able to see physically, but we have no understanding about the things of God. But since we were all created by him, and you'll be able to tell people this as you look at them, and you'll be able to say, like, we know we're all saved, at least I hope we're all saved, and if you don't know for sure, you might be the last one, girl, if you're the last one, you're not saved in here, I'm going to give an altar call in a little bit, um, you might be the last one, and we could be out of here, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Uh Oh, yeah, um. But God has put that longing, that hunger in our hearts. You know why? Because he's the savior and he wants to save you from yourself. He wants to save you from the heartache and the hardship. Um, he wants us to all stop trying to fill that God-shaped, God-sized hunger hole with many things like, I gotta have a best friend. If I don't have a best friend, you know, we do try to with relationships, careers, some choose drugs. And uh, for the most part, the hunger sounds like, and you'll hear people say, there's got to be more to life than this. You know? I remember the way I got saved. This is how I got saved. I was so distraught. I was like, man, where's the love? You know, my mama don't love me. My husband doesn't love me. Where's the love? And I heard that voice, that one that, you know, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me. So I heard this voice say, I love you. Always have, always will. I was like, I don't even believe in you. You know what I heard next? Who are you talking to? <laughs> he has a sense of humor, and he talks to us the way we need him to. I was like, well, touche. <laughs> so he said, will you give me a chance? I was like, I'm going to give you one chance because I'm, I'm about ready to die. I, I, I can't take any more, you know. He said, just give me one chance. Yeah. And so I did, and he did. And for 13 years, every day, he said, just give me one more day. That's how long it took Ron to get saved. 13 years. But that's how long it took me to grow in love with Jesus. Because for the first five years, you know, after I heard, you know, about prayer, Lord, like I told you, Lord, kill him with a Mack truck and bring me the Christian man you have for me all along. For five years, I prayed it just like that every day. And then I heard a false teacher say, you know, when you pray, girl, you got to pray out loud like Jesus can't hear. (laughs) (laughs) And, And, you know, so for the next five years, I said, Jesus! Kill him with a mat truck. <laughs> And bring me the Christian man you have for me all along. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you get it? You know what I'm saying? For five years, every day. My kids heard me say it too. Well, sorry. They did. They heard <laughs> They heard. Yeah. Mom, you want dad to be dead? Not really, but yeah. <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> Ooh, mama wants daddy dead. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but... It'd be okay if he was, but, you know. (laughs) Uh, uh. So there's got to be more to life than this, and the Lord said, yes, there is. I'm it. I'm the only answer. I'm the only answer. And so, you know, blind Bartimaeus, same thing. There's two, actually, two blind guys here, and, and they Verse 36 goes on to say, And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, and he cried out, saying, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. When you talk to people, you know what? They all know about Jesus. They all know. They've all heard. Now, some of them, most of them will say, I don't want him in my life. And you know what? People don't get saved. You can say this and say it in a nice way, unless you're ghetto like me. You know why people don't get saved? Because they don't want to stop sinning. They want to be the boss of their life. They want to do what they want to do, the way they want to do it, when they want to do it, how they want to do it, where they want to do it, and with whom they want to do it. And Jesus says, no. That's not how you're supposed to live your life. And so they don't want Jesus because they don't want to stop sinning. And so you can tell your friends that, you know, when you're ready, Jesus is waiting on you. And you don't have to call me and tell me, but it would really be nice to know when you get saved, if you let me know, but life is going to get really hard for you until you bend your knee. That's what I told my husband. And he told me, shut up, you don't know anything. I said, well, I may not know much, but I know who. (laughs) And he told me that you've made money, you're God, and (sighs) so the Lord said to me, because, you know, I'm so dense, I was telling Jenny, Ron's getting ready to graduate from Bible college, and didn't even realize it, that mean I was going to be a pastor's wife. Well, when when God told me that Ron's made money, His God, and he will not let that go, you know what that meant I was going to be? Poor, too. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, you love me. He, he can be poor, but I don't want to be poor. You know, so maybe I'll stop praying that he gets saved. Because... I don't really like him that much anyway, <laughs> but he does have some money. And so, you know, but the Lord said, come on, that's not right. Because our savior is also our provider and our protector. And he just kept, he, he took care of me, even in the garage with the fleas and the ticks and the roaches. You know, I never got bit one time. You know how you turn the light on and they go. Bleh! Well, we would turn the lights on until they would go and I would spray and stuff. We slept in there. Every day. Um, I never got one bite. Not one. Creepy. <laughs> you look at <it> walls. <laughs> I can't believe I lived like that, but it was so awesome. Because <laughs> it's now a cool testimony, you know. And that my husband can look at me and say, because every Wednesday was my day off. I had a little cleaning business. Every Wednesday was my day off. And uh, I would redecorate. it's a bed and a a dresser kind of thing not not drawers just and it had a little curtain thing on it well no toilet so i went to this camping store and because they had like fruit trees in the back and so i put this little camping toilet out there you know for at night so that was our bathroom (laughs) and then my next check i got that little because it had a door, but it didn't have a screen on it, so the mosquitoes could come in. So my next check, I got that little screening stuff, you know, and I made a door, you know, and then one oh, another check, um, <clears throat> oh, what did I get? I, I think I got some pillows because I was trying to make it pretty. Oh, oh, we didn't have a closet, like I said. So somebody had was giving away those stand-up closet things, so I put that right there, you know, and my husband would come home and he said, you are something else. I said, yes, I know. I'm making our home a house, you know, our house a home, you know. And to this day, I'm like his hero because I stayed. I'm heroes to both of our boys who are now 44 and 42. I was telling Michelle maybe maybe 12 years ago now, um, our older son sent me this card, and and he said, Mom, I don't know where our... our our family would be had you not become a Christian and stayed with dad. Mom, we know how hard it was. We were there too. But mom, you stayed and look what we have now. Yeah, it's worth it. We keep singing the songs, God, you are worthy. You are worthy. You're worthy of our praise. Even when I was laying there and the tears were filling up, the Lord was still conversing with me. My Savior said, Yeah, I've saved you from hell, but I got way more for you, Paula, than you, than you know for yourself. I have way more. It's going to be worth it one day. Just wait and see. And so I'm not only hot, I'm a genius. <laughs> Cause I believe. I just, I believe. And so did Blind Bartimaeus, because it says, then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet, but he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. This is my one of my favorite. The next one is one of my favorite things in the Bible. So Jesus stood still. Jesus stood still and waited for this guy. He said, and then it says, and he commanded him to be brought to him. Two more names. He's merciful and he's compassionate. He's merciful and compassionate. If you need 25 hours in a day, God will give that to you. Had it happened way too many times not to be able to stand here and tell you that. But Jesus stood still because this man knew, son of David, have mercy on me. You can tell anybody that. If you call on him, he will stand still for you. And then Jesus goes on to say, And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, what do you want me to do for you? The obvious thing, of course, is I want to see again, but not everybody really wants to see. Not everybody really wants to be made well. And so you ask him, you tell them, ask the Lord, what do you want him to do for you? And this man said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. He didn't want to just see with physical eyes, though that's a good thing. He wanted to see this Jesus, with his heart—that is, Ephesians one seventeen and eighteen for us, New Testament believers—and then I, I think I I should be done by there. And then we'll do some more tomorrow. Ephesians one seventeen and eighteen says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And Ron and I are always, what's the so what? You know, we got all this information, but what's the so what about it? And it's that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You know what that means? We're treasure. He wanted his eyes to be open to the knowledge of God and to see the treasure That he is, that we are as saints. Not just see physically, but to really see. To really see what is this life all about. Then Jesus says to him, Receive your sight, your faith has made you well. You can tell anybody, because, you know, it's too good to be true, this just saying, I want to be a Christian. It's too good to be true. Well, unless they take that leap of faith, they'll never know. They'll never know. Maybe it is too good to be true. Why don't you try that? Well, I don't want to. Why don't you want to? What sin do you have in your life that you don't want to give up? Ask them. And then even if they get they still have to go home and deal with that question. God is faithful. Do you want to receive your sight? Yes or no? Yes or no, that's the question. I love the fact that Jesus is on a mission from God, his Father, here. We're going to talk about Father next time because Jesus says in John 5:30 I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Jesus wants to open the eyes of everyone. He wants to forgive them of their sins. He wants to have them live in eternity in heaven with him. But they got to choose. But it's God the Father who sent Jesus on that mission. And so you tell him, he wants to save you. Come on. Try him out. He's got a great plan for you. He wants to save you not only from hell, but from yourself. And most people, if they're really honest, need, they know they need to be saved from themselves. They know it. Father, we just thank you so much for this time. Lord, thank you that you got me through that. And, um, Lord, I do want to lift up my mom. Lord, you love her. You have a great plan for her. And I pray, Lord, not only for my mom, but many others who are maybe in the same situation, um, that they would go from maybe hatred to pity, compassion, but, Lord, even more than that, that the Romans 5, 5, love of God is shed abroad in our hearts and that you died on the cross, even for those difficult people, as we heard Jenny say, for those difficult people, Lord, um, that we would be able to see with your eyes, love with your heart, reach with your hands, and walk by faith. That maybe one day, eternity is a long time, Lord, Maybe one day we'll walk hand in hand with those most difficult people. On earth would be great, but Lord, you know. So help us to stay focused on you, our Savior, and introduce many others that you give us opportunity to introduce to the Savior of their souls. In Jesus' name, amen.